Hi everyone, welcome to Life with Fibromyalgia. Today is July 8th, 2020. All right, so I'm back. Um, it's definitely been a long time, um, a little over six months, and uh, I, I apologize, I guess, for some of you that kind of um, rely on podcasts that, you know, kind of are your support system, I guess, um, in the sense of not feeling alone and, you know, knowing that there's somebody else out there um, that is feeling the same way, similar or, you know, slightly different, but, you know, still uh, having the illness and experiencing different things. So uh, anyway, so uh, if you're new to my podcast, um, my name is Noemi and um, welcome, welcome. I'm doing this podcast because I pretty much feel alone um, with my illness I don't really know anybody that has it um, personally, um, so I kind of have relied on this podcast as as a way of you know letting things out, and I guess like I guess it's kind of a way of processing things for me as well, um, and I guess like the messages that I get from you guys are, are very helpful. You know, it makes me feel like I'm not alone. And I hope that's the way you feel um, when you listen to this podcast and you feel that everything that you're feeling is is validated um, because I feel the same way. Um, okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start with how uh, things have been going with my fibro. I started feeling really badly. I think it was starting March or April when um, the weather started to get a little warm here in uh, Southern California. And so I started to get, it was, I guess it was the pain that I have felt before from long time ago when I first got diagnosed, um, which was in 2013. And I remember then like experiencing pain when it was a little warm outside or, you know, if, and interestingly, you know, if a fan, you know, was blowing air and it was warm then my legs would start hurting immediately. Like, it was just like, oh, you know, like, there it goes. It's, it's hurting, um, very sensitive. Um, so um, back to uh, this year, I started to feel the same way. Uh, my legs started hurting, my arms. Um, I just became very sensitive. And part of the reason for that is because the weather started to get warm. And so what happened was, I guess it got to a point where it was too painful and I just couldn't really do much. Um, I was starting to get really depressed about it. So I kind of had to do something about it. And so I called my rheumatologist and um, at that point he's like, oh, you know, like people with fibromyalgia also... Um, suffer from allodynia sometimes and he's all like you know do some research kind of read about it um and uh you know we can move forward um and in some form of treatment and so um I did I gave him another call and he said that a medication called naltrexone um would probably be something that you know I I can try, you know, he, he was recommending it. And, uh, he did say that it was an off label medication, uh, meaning that it is not 
FDA approved for fibromyalgia. So in other words, uh, you cannot use this medication. I mean, sorry, the doctor cannot uh, give you a prescription and your insurance pay for it. Um, so technically, uh, you know, your doctor is giving you a prescription, but your insurance just will deny paying the medication because it's an off-label. It's not FDA-approved to be given to you if you have fibromyalgia. Now, if you have another illness to which this medication has been approved for, then your insurance will cover it. So it's not a problem with that. But um, for fibromyalgia, it's not approved. So you have to pay out of pocket. Now, Um, the cost for this medication, um, isn't, you know, like, you know, an awful amount of money. (laughs) It's, um, it's actually quite affordable. Um, I think, uh, for a bottle of 30, uh, pills, um, I think it's about, actually, I think it's about a $30, um, here in the U.S., it's about $30, And so it's actually not that bad, um, considering there are other medications that I've tried to take um, and couldn't afford, even with the insurance covering it. Um, Sometimes it would come up to like $500 that I had to pay out of pocket. And so obviously that was not possible um, in that Actually, you know, interestingly, I'm in that situation again with one of the medications I take, but my doctor, my psychiatrist, um, just gives me samples um, of that medication. That medication is the Rixolti. So Rixolti has been very helpful for me, but uh, we'll go into that another time. And I think I've kind of uh, talked about it a little bit. Um, So um, I got off that medication. Now I'm back on it since like a month ago. But anyway, that's another podcast. Um, so I started the naltrexone and I took it for about a month. And I guess I'm not quite sure that it actually worked. And I can't say that it did or not really, because the times that or during that time that I took the medication, I I was having nightmares and they were, they were not pleasant whatsoever. And the reason I say that is because they were regarding my childhood trauma. So I was remembering things of that time. And if it wasn't, you know, kind of like flashbacks to the past, um, it was more of, you know, the feelings associated to that time, to that period of time. And the only reason why I'm explaining this this way is because my therapist um, was able to, um, you know, I guess kind of let me know about that, like how trauma works. So the feelings associated to the childhood trauma were coming back and I was just having a terrible time. Um, I started going back to therapy twice a week. Um, Not that that's bad, but I was just feeling... I just wasn't feeling well um, mentally. Uh, you know, at, at some point, say, um, when you combine the childhood trauma um, 
issues with, you know, mentally, when you combine that with your fibro depression, um, and also like your trauma depression, you know, the, the depression that comes from that, and then the depression that comes from the uh, fibro, when you combine those together, it just, uh, it's horrible. And the reason why I say that is because, you know, for one, one is more of, I mean, they're both mental, but I'd say the childhood trauma is very, you know, mentally uh, challenging um, when you try and work on things that your therapist is, you know, is telling you to work on. Um, and then on the other side, you know, you're trying to get yourself together for the fibro, you know, trying to follow what your doctor is telling you um, and just things like that. And, you know, you're trusting these people that, you know, you're going to do okay based on what they're giving you. And so um, it takes trust, it takes time. And so I think I just went off a tangent there. But um, so I took naltrexone and I cannot say if it worked or not because I only took it for a month. Um, like I said, I started getting nightmares. Um, I had to stop the medication for that reason. I guess I started to become very uh, suicidal. I guess a lot of suicidal ideation. I think that's the correct term. I'm not sure. Um, but I guess like I can explain. So it was the type of suicide, um, suicidal ideation where you have passive thoughts. So I had no plan or anything like that. So um, I was... Um, pretty much just feeling that way and having thoughts. Uh, and so, yeah, it was time for me to stop that because it, it's not worth it. Um, it's not worth, uh, the nightmares and, you know, living parts of my childhood all over again that are not pleasant whatsoever. Um, so, yep, stopped the naltrexone. So I, um, the only thing that I had left was the Lyrica that I'm currently taking. And, um, I had a, I was, I was, um, taking a very low dose. I was taking 75 milligrams. And, you know, at this point when I called my doctor and let him know that, you know, I just wasn't feeling well at all. And when he told me about the allodynia, um, he said, well, how about we, uh, increase your, your Lyrica. And, um, even though I was a bit hesitant because I just hate taking medications and it's just my issue, you know, um, I, I'd rather not take anything, but, um, you know, it is what it is. So, um, so I let him know about my issues and he told me a bit about the allodynia and how he could increase the Lyrica dose. Um, so he increased it. I think he even like tripled the dose of the Lyrica. Um, obviously it wasn't just all at, you know, one shot, but I think, I think it was like two different times that he increased it. And so finally it was basically tripled. I, I can't remember how much I'm taking now. Maybe I'm taking 300 or more. I don't remember. Um, I'll, I'll have to check. So, um, the Lyrica did start helping, but then, um, the temperature, the weather started getting better and not as, uh, bad as it was before. I mean, the weather can, can be a very comfortable temperature for people, um, living here in Southern California, such as, you know, 80 degrees and 85 or whatever. Um, people are comfortable and like the sun and go out to the beach. Um, but for me, that's, that's not good. 
Um, that's basically torture to my body. And uh, pretty much the most uh, comfortable temperature for me would be about 73 degrees, maybe 72, not quite sure. I'd have to like, you know, really mess with the thermostat and see how that works out. But uh, not in the mood of doing that kind of experiment. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, I stopped the naltrexone, tripled uh, the Lyrica, which did start helping me. Um, and the weather started to go down as well. So that was helpful as well. Okay, so um, I guess I'll move forward. Um, with what allodynia is. And this information, um, very basic information I got from the Medical News Today by Marianne DiPietro, um, August 10, 2017. And so there are three different types of allodynia. Um, so one of them is thermal. So thermal allodynia. The other one is mechanical allodynia and the third one is tactile allodynia and so some people actually get this um this I don't know if it's just a symptom of you know an illness or if it's an illness all on its own I, I I think I remember reading it's a symptom um and typically it's a symptom of people that have migraines and like other chronic illnesses such as fiber. It was quite amazing to find out that people with migraines um, also go through this. Um, I, I just was unaware of that. Um, so that was pretty interesting. So quite honestly, uh, people online that, you know, things that I just randomly read, typically people um, end up, you know, suffering from one of the three, two of the three or whatever. Um, well, it turns out I have all three, um, and I'm not surprised at all, honestly. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I just get hit from, like, the worst things, you know, with, like, illnesses, and, you know, whatever could be worse is worse, you know? Like, I don't know, maybe that's a bad mindset, but it's just the way it is, I guess. I don't know. Um, so, uh, thermal allodynia is uh, pain due to temperature change on the skin. The mechanical allodynia is the pain um, on the skin caused by movement. So if you um, grab like a cotton swab and like gently um, move it across your, your arm, whatever, your skin, um, if that's painful or causes any some sort of discomfort, most likely you'll you'll have mechanical uh, allodynia. And um, the third one, the tactile allodynia, basically is um, ha having pain from any light touch or pressure on the skin. Um, I have a feeling that a lot of you um, can relate with the tactile allodynia. Um, and the reason I say that is because... Um, the times that I attended a support group, not very much, not very many times, actually. Um, I just went like a handful of times. And um, the time that I went to this support group, um, many, many of the women there and like maybe a few men, I'm going to say like two, two men that showed up really, you know, voiced that their problem was, you know, 
having anyone hug them, touch them, you know, anything of that nature uh, was pretty painful. Um, any pressure, so like hugs, you know, handshakes, anything like that. And quite honestly, I can relate too. Um, any hugs, you know, when my boyfriend hugs me, family, whoever, um, it can be very painful depending on how strong of a hug they give. And even if it's a, uh, you know, kind of gentle um, hug, then it, it's still painful. It really varies, you know, with how you're doing. Sometimes it's worse. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes sometimes it's more manageable and not as painful, like I said. Um, so with the mechanical allodynia, I, I have that, but uh, I don't know. It's, I guess it's very, uh, I guess and this is really weird, but I guess it's kind of moody, you know, like it, it has a mind of its own where, you know, some days I have it, some days I don't, but, uh, pretty much the tactile and the thermal allodynia I have all the time. Um, and the uh, thermal allodynia is very annoying, actually. Um, and I mean, all of them are annoying, but I feel like that one is the most annoying for me. Um, and the reason is that, you know, any temperature change to warm, you know, warm air, warm weather, whatever, it doesn't matter. Even if I place my hand, for example, on my leg, and it starts, you know, feeling warm, that's painful. So I cannot place my hands or arms on top of my leg. And you don't realize how, how many times you do this and how much you, you lean on your legs and put your arms there um, until you have this. Because, you know, I can't place them there because it hurts. You know, it warms up my leg and, ooh, that's painful, you know. And even on my arms, you know, the leg heats up my arm, whatever. Um, it, it, you know, it just becomes so painful and annoying, quite honestly. Um, I don't know. I, I'd really like to hear from you guys if you share the same feelings toward this and you know, how you experience the allodynia. I'd be really curious to know how you deal with this and what type of treatment um, you're going through because obviously I, I couldn't stick to the naltrexone. Um, although I kind of, I guess I kind of want to give it another try, but instead of taking the medication at night, I want to try taking it in the morning. Um, I have not talked to my I haven't talked to my, um, my rheumatologist yet. Um, and I want to bring that up and see like, Hey, you know, can I take it in the mornings as opposed to nighttime? I guess I read that you can take it in the morning at some point. So I, I would like to try that, but I need to get in touch with him and make an appointment and all that. And you know what happens when you have fibro, um, you really procrastinate on things like that. You, uh, kind of put those things off or at least that's kind of how I feel and a few people in the support group that I talked to kind of you know felt the same way it's like uh yeah I need to see a doctor but you know especially when you're you're feeling somewhat okay you just you're like eh I'm feeling okay like I don't 
I don't need to call my doctor or actually let me cancel that appointment. I don't really need it. I'm just going to be there for it and I'm just going to pay for nothing, you know, just, you know, saying hi to the doctor and like, hey, I'm doing okay. Okay, whatever. Let's go. You know, so um, in that perspective, uh, you know what, guys, I just lost my train of thought. Um, and this happens a lot to me. So um, anyway, I'm looking at my notes and I'll kind of move forward um, from there since I can't remember, you know, what I was talking about. <laughs> so, you know, since I started with the allodynia and all that stuff, I, you know, I talked to my doctor, like I said, and then I was talking to my uh, therapist, my psychologist, and he suggested I you know, kind of pursue some sort of like treatment. Um, And uh, he suggested uh, occupational therapy because I had, you know, I had brought a flyer to him, um, letting him know like, look, hey, it's for fibro, you know, patients or people that have the illness. And he was like, wow, that's great. Like, you should give it a shot. Um, And I was like, yeah, I should. And, you know, I, I never contacted the people from this location and I just never made an appointment I I just you know I was like eh whatever like I don't care (laughs) you know I I feel somewhat okay so I think it's okay to just you know wait on this until it gets bad and you guys know that that's that's not a good thing It's, it's best when you uh just tackle things um when they start and not let them get worse Um, so long story short, I started, uh, occupational therapy and, uh, so mostly the occupational therapy is for pain management and stress management since those, since those are like really huge things, um, that, you know, I need help with. And so, um, as far as like the pain management, um, you know, I'm learning to take breaks and, you know, things like that. Um, but you know, primarily it's like, you know, knowing your limits and uh, taking a break when you're getting close to that or, you know, taking it before you feel a certain way. So I'm still learning, but I, I am doing, you know, what they tell me and taking breaks. And yes, I've noticed a difference a lot. And I think it, you know, unfortunately, it takes a lot of, you know, I feel like it takes time or it takes up a lot of space of my, t- my, you know, my mind, um, that I forget other things. So it, it I don't know, it, it's, I really don't know yet, you know, what to think about it. Um, it is helpful, but I feel like it's taking my mind off of other things. And I don't know if it's a good thing or not. Maybe it is a good thing since I'm always so, you know, so focused on I guess, negative things like my fibro and all, you know, all the depression and all that stuff and how life sucks with it, you know, yeah, things like that. So pain management. And then, um, so the main focus with that is, like I said, energy conservation. So like, you know, trying to extend that energy that you have throughout the day and not just exhaust that energy all at once doing one thing. Um, so, so that's the main focus of the pain management right now. The stress management, um, I guess it's, it's, uh, I guess kind of being assertive and communicating, you know, what your needs are, uh, such as like, uh, you know, 
if you live with people, you know, asking them for, you know, like, hey, do you think you can help me with this or that, you know, whatever is the case, like in my situation would be like asking my mom and sister to help me, um, you know, carry some things out of my car. So that's, that's an example. So being assertive and doing those things, you know, kind of um, realizing that, you know, you do need help, unfortunately, and uh, you have to be okay with that. So that is one huge thing. Um, And uh, this isn't only, I guess the assertiveness uh, of communication isn't only going to be, you know, with the people that you live with, or, you know, just that are very close with, you know, it, it has to be also in public where you don't know these people. So you have to be very assertive. And, you know, um, I guess like, what I mean, is more toward like, uh, accommodations, you know, you have to uh, be an advocate for yourself. And, you know, communicate your needs and you, you know, just get what you need. So that's, that's the that's under the stress management. Um, and there are other, you know, other things under that, that uh, stress management um, goal, um, such as like, uh, uh, I guess, like implementing things uh, more efficiently, um, such as, uh, you know, putting alarms in your phone, um, adding events in your calendar, that way you don't have to remember your phone just, you know, alerts you. So, um, you know, doing things like that, that would be very helpful. uh, Because um, as you and I know, people with fibromyalgia forget a lot of things. And unfortunately, in my situation, due to my childhood trauma, I, I guess it's like a double whammy where I don't remember even more things. So um, honestly, it's very scary. And I'll, I guess I could do a podcast about this, you know, not remembering things and how scary it is. And, you know, I don't know, it's kind of weird. And the reason why I say scary, and it's very confusing. But the reason I say scary is because, you know, you sit down and you're like, whoa, all I remember is today. And what did I do yesterday? What did I do, you know, a year ago? Uh, You know, it's, it's very difficult to remember anything if you're just sitting down and you really try and think about things. Um, But, you know, if you have somebody that can remind you like, hey, do you remember, you know, um, this place, there were, you know, red, you know, paintings, whatever, it doesn't matter, I'm just making things up. But, you know, once they start um, saying, describing things, um, and they, you know, trigger, you know, the memory in your mind, then, you know, yeah, that that is possible. But um, on your own, it's kind of, you know, like I said, scary that you can't remember on your own. So yeah, anyway, I went off a tangent there again. Um, So I have some notes here because I just, like I said, I do not remember things. So I have to make lists and everything. And I guess it's part of my occupational therapy treatment. So I guess I'm proud of myself. I don't know. (laughs) I guess so. So, okay. I guess I can go a little bit into my, uh, my therapy with my trauma. I guess that's also an update. I'm not going to be very, uh, I'm not going to elaborate much in it. Um, because I think that could be another podcast that I can, um, talk about this and, you know, into more detail and maybe you'll, uh, you'll uh, share the same feelings I do, you know, with childhood trauma. So 
I guess the one thing that you you know the new thing I guess in therapy that you know I kind of wish my therapist would have just told me but you know they can't so you have to realize things on your own and so I came to the realization that I am stuck in a little girl's mind emotionally not really mentally um, it's kind of difficult to explain, but that's that's the best way that I can explain it. I feel like I'm stuck in a little girl's mind emotionally. S- meaning, I guess I can explain this a little bit. I get hurt very easily. And, and yes, I can feel that, you know, I'm very sensitive, just like a little kid would be. You know, like you take their pen, you take their toy or whatever, and they start crying. I don't know. I I do not have a better <laughs> description about it, but um, or example, sorry. But just anything and everything, you know, seems so um, harsh. So yeah, I feel like I'm stuck in a little girl's mind. Um, I guess uh, I guess my problem, which I already knew from therapy, is that you know a lot of uh, sense of rejection and abandonment type of thing. Um, I guess in that perspective, it makes sense that I'd be stuck in a little girl's mind emotionally. Um, but uh, that's been the huge thing, you know, that I that I realized. Um, I think it was two weeks ago or something. Yeah, that was pretty depressing. And uh, we'll be working on, on that, actually, in the next few sessions, I guess. Um, if nothing else is pressing, of course. <laughs> so that'll be the next few steps uh, to uh, recovery, I guess. Um, we'll see how that goes. And now I have to find my other piece of paper with my notes. All right, I'm going to grab it. Uh, oops. Okay, so I finally got my other paper, which was on the ground. Uh, okay, so... As we all know, you know, we are uh, in quarantine for the most part, um, or a lot of us are. Um, I didn't really want to touch on this subject just because I feel like it's a little, I don't know if touchy would be it, but (laughs) it's a little uh, too much for me, I guess, um, in the sense of like, there are many different um, opinions about this. Um, People feel certain ways that, you know, that I don't feel the same way, um, but uh, quite generally, um, my feeling toward uh, quarantine is, uh, you know, just stay home, wear your mask if you're going out, plain and simple, that's it, you know, if you listen to this podcast, please just wear your mask, I mean, you never know what the other person, um, what they have, if they have an underlying condition, if they live with parents that are old, you know, you, you just don't know. And quite honestly, I just don't want to go into that. You know, I don't want to be that person lecturing other people. Um, but you know, that's just, that's just what I think. And that's it. I I don't want to go into this. Um, but, um, regarding the quarantine and how it's been affecting me that I do want to go into, Um, you know, my walking used to be, you know, starting January of this year, actually, um, January and February, all the weekends, you know, within those months, I was walking at least six miles every weekend. Or actually, I should, sorry, I should, 
change that because it wasn't at least six miles. It was, you know, max six miles. So I pretty much would do six miles, five miles during the weekend. And so in that perspective, um, you know, once the quarantine hit, uh, it really uh, destroyed my progress with walking. I, I am pretty upset about it because I feel like my freedom of, you know, deciding what to do and, you know, how to, how to incorporate, you know, walking into my life. Sorry, losing my train of thought again. Uh, I guess I'm just upset about it in general because, you know, I wasn't able to get out of my house and walk. You know, that's upsetting. You know, I was doing so well. I was, I was feeling better. Um, I enjoyed the, you know, amount of time that I was walking. And I think the reason things were working out for me was because I ended up getting a, uh, season pass um, to Knott's Berry Farm in Anaheim. And so I was going every weekend. And every weekend we'd walk around, me and my boyfriend, we'd walk around the park and, uh, you know, get in the rides. um, And just, I don't know, it was a lot of fun, actually. So I think uh, the whole adrenaline rush with the uh, rides and, you know, walking and, you know, talking with my boyfriend, enjoying my time, you know, it was, it was good. It was good for me mentally and physically because I was walking and I was happy. Um, The, you know, roller coasters make me happy. So it was um, the best thing I could have done. Um, But, you know, until this quarantine happened, um, the whole virus situation, uh, things got, uh, you know, I don't know. They just, things just change, I guess. And that is, you know, that is the case now. I, I could, uh, you know, walk 15 minutes max now and that's taking breaks. So, um, yeah, that definitely is upsetting. Okay. So during quarantine, um, obviously we're all stuck at home. So yeah, that can be very depressing to some of us. Um, and I think it's more depressing to people that are not used to that at all. Um, and people with fibro, we're kind of used to that because, you know, we get tired, we're in pain, we don't go out much because of that. But even though I felt like that, even though I feel, you know, terribly ill or whatever, I still make a, you know, make a point to get out. And even if it's just, you know, in the backyard, wherever, that makes me feel like I went out. Um, so it, it's not as bad, but, you know, staying at home all day is, yeah, very depressing. You don't have your daily routine anymore. And your, or, you know, your daily routine is now just being home all day. Uh, yeah, not fun. And uh, let's see, I'm looking at my notes. Uh, I have here that I'd give you guys an update on my depression and my PTSD, but I think I already went kind of through the PTSD portion, um, as far as like the nightmares and all that. Um, yeah, I also have here that, you know, I started therapy twice a week and you guys know that, you know, the reason being for my nightmares. Um, 
I think that's all I have for today. I'll I'll go ahead and go into more detail um, on a few things from here, um, such as the occupational therapy and um, uh, just, you know, what my PTSD is like. Maybe you guys can relate, even though this is a fibro, um, you know, podcast, but I think it's kind of important to share things um, like PTSD because you never know. You might be going through the same thing. So, yeah, I'll talk about those things into more detail uh, next time. Um, I don't know when my next podcast will be because I kind of go back and forth between my boyfriend's house and my mom's house. And I know that um, you guys might be judging that, (laughs) but um, we only see each other. There's nobody else we see. We are the only, you know... My mom, my sister, me, my boyfriend, and his family, which is only his parents because his sisters are, you know, um, live somewhere else. Uh, so, yeah, we only see each other and we don't go out pretty much. Um, so in that perspective, that's why, you know, we're able to come back and forth or at least I am able to. Um, all right. Well, uh Email me if you'd like to. Um, I'd really like to hear from some of you. Um, Let me know how you're doing. Um, Anything. Just send me anything. I'd I'd be really happy to hear from you guys. Um, Yeah, the email is lifewfibro at gmail.com. And that is L-I-F-E-W-F-I-B-R-O at gmail.com. Also... I'm on Instagram if you guys are interested on following me. I pretty much just post pictures of my dog (laughs) and maybe me, but not quite. Um, I guess my life is my dog, I guess. Um, So I live, uh, I live for her, I guess, part of me. Um, And a bunch of pictures of flowers and random things, I guess. Um, I... I really enjoy doing that kind of stuff. So, I mean, even though I don't post like very often, even though I kind of do, but um, I enjoy doing that. Uh, so that the uh, the name that you can search under is uh, N-R-O-D-R-I-1-1-1. So you can search for that and find me and, you know, you can follow me, I'll follow you, you know, it'll be fun. All right, so uh, you guys have a good day. Um, I hope you guys find yourselves okay, um, considering the circumstances. I really hope you guys aren't in my situation where things just, you know, didn't go well, you know, things just went south. Um, so I hope things are the opposite for you guys. If not, you're not alone. You know, I, things, you know, just went to hell (laughs) during the quarantine. So, um, it is what it is. Um, all right. So I'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.